when Judah was first born, like a lot of parents, Casey and I had people tell us how much he looked like us. So they would say things like, oh, he has her eyes, he has your chin, he has her ears. And as kind as all that is, I'm going to be honest with you, I can never tell which parent a newborn infant looks like. Even Judah. He just looked like a little person to me. I didn't know whose eyes, ears, nose, or chin he had. Now that he's a little older, it's easier for me to notice some of these things. But what's more noticeable to me now is how his personality and actions are a lot like ours. So he has a really joyful spirit. He has that from his mom. He has a humor that's kind of goofy and sarcastic. So there's a mix of both of us in there. And then he has some really sarcastic facial expressions to go along with an occasional eye roll. That's probably from me. But more and more, I'm beginning to realize how he sees and imitates the things that we say and do. It's terrifying. But that's how it goes, right? That's why they say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Because kids, many times, are like their parents in a lot of ways. Well, there's a similar truth in our lives spiritually. A lot of people today have this idea that, that all people, all humans are children of God. That's a sweet thought. But it's not true. Sweet as that is, that is not true. While God is the creator of all people, the Bible tells us that it is only those who have put their faith in Jesus as their Savior who have been adopted as God's children. That means that before that moment, we were not children of God. The Bible refers to those without faith in Jesus as children of wrath because that's what they're headed for, wrath for their sins. See, spiritually, they are not children of God, but they are children of the devil. And that, that may sound harsh, but it is nonetheless true. And just as children mimic their natural parents, as humans, we mimic our spiritual father as well. And again, we are not all in the same spiritual family. As we turn together this morning to John chapter 8, verse 31, we will see how to spot a child of God, and as a result, how to spot a child of the devil. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there with me. John chapter 8. And again, we'll begin in verse 31. Now, if you were with us recently in John chapter 8, then you know that up to this point, Jesus has been talking with the religious leaders who did not believe the words that Jesus spoke, nor did they believe who he is, that he is the Son of God and the Savior. Yet there were some listening in the crowds who did believe in him. Let's pick up together in verse 31 of John chapter 8. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now let's pause right here. To those who were beginning to believe in Jesus, he tells them what real faith looks like. Remember, there were plenty of people 
who had some initial belief in Jesus and then later abandoned him. We saw that back in John chapter 6. But true disciples, true followers of Jesus are not going to let go of him or his teachings. Because in the teachings of Jesus, we find the truth about our sinfulness, about his forgiveness, and about how through faith in him, we're free from sin and hell. Those who grab hold of these truths by faith are really his disciples. But all the rest are not free. They're slaves. And the Jews picked up on that part and said, we've never been slaves. Now, if they meant this politically, they were just lying. I mean, many of us know that the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians for hundreds of years. Not only that, but they had been taken captive by the Assyrians, the Babylonians. During Jesus' day, Israel was living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. Israel knew what it was to be in bondage to someone else. But if the people meant this spiritually, saying we've never been slaves, then they were just ignorant to their own spiritual state. So Jesus did what he's always doing for them. He's bringing them more truth. And the truth is that everyone who sins, that would be every single person, is a slave and in bondage to sin. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 puts it this way. It says, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. It's true that we have free will, but as humans, that will is inclined towards sin because our very nature is corrupted. People crave the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. They're filled with the boastful pride of life. All these things spring forth from a love of the world. So mankind freely chases after its own appetite, its own self-indulgence, its own self-interest, not realizing that we are spiritual captives to the very things that we are chasing after. We obey and follow sin's lead, bound and joined together with it, headed for the wrath and judgment that it deserves. But the good news is there is one who can set us free, and that's Jesus Christ. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Through faith in Jesus, we are able to go from slavery to sonship. You see, a slave in the household had, had no rights. No rights. They had no privileges, no guarantee of a brighter future. But a son, oh, a son had a permanent place, had an inheritance laid up, had a future to look forward to. And when we come to Jesus in our shackles of sin, by faith in him, they're broken off our wrists and we're given a place at God's table. We become a part of his family. We can look forward to an eternity with him in heaven. We're free. That doesn't mean that we become perfect or never sin in this life. That's not what that means. But unlike our life before Christ, we are no longer bound to sin's pull and resigned to its punishment. We have eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us so that we would be strengthened to live righteously, so that we could have the strength to overcome any temptation that comes our way. All these things should be evident, believers, in how we live. Just like how our sinful life before we were in Christ was evident in how we live. But let's keep going in John chapter 8. Let's see how to spot a free child of God. Look at verse 37. Jesus continued, he said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. 
If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You're doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. See, the Israelites had this idea that, that because they were descendants of Abraham, a man who, who walked with God, a man who talked with God, a man who received great promises from God, that because of their heritage, that they too were in good standing with God. Many of them believed that. So Jesus tells them that they're going to claim Abraham as their spiritual forefather, and they need to act like it. Abraham was a man of faith. He was a man of integrity. He was a man who loved God. But many of these Jews, they didn't share that same faith. This is what Paul would write years later to the Galatian Christians. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul told them, he said, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. In other words, your physical ancestry doesn't give you access to God. That comes by faith. Jesus is telling them, if Abraham is your spiritual father, act like it. Show the same faith. Show the same obedience. Show the same acceptance of truth that he did. Because, you see, that's the family tie that matters most. It's being in the same family of faith. But there were those in the crowd, especially among the leaders, who wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted nothing to do with the one who brought them truth. Jesus said, Abraham didn't do this, but your father does. And then they try and claim that God is their father. But again, Jesus tells them that the evidence would be there in their actions because they'd love the Son of God. Now, you can't say that you're a child of God and you love the Father, but you hate the Son of God. And Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 10, whoever rejects the Son rejects the Father. And that's what the people were doing here. You see, a child of God is going to be seen in how he or she acts. They'll not despise God's truth, but they'll cling to it. They'll be free from their bondage to sin. They will love Jesus and strive to live for him. And if these things are not defining characteristics in our lives, then we need to ask ourselves, am I a child of God? Because you see, there's only one other option. Look at verse 43. Jesus said, Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks, excuse me, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. There are those who belong to God because they've come to Jesus Christ in faith and embraced Him. They've accepted the truth He brings and they have been set free. 
They've been set free from the bondage of sin, free from the penalty of hell. They cling to the Lord. They love him. They do their very best to live for him. And as such, they have been adopted into the family of God by faith. They are the ones who can claim as spiritual ancestors those such as Abraham, who were in that same family of faith. Then there are children of the devil. Those are the ones headed for wrath. The devil is a murderer and a liar. The lies pour out of his mouth because it's part of his nature. And not many months after this exchange with Jesus, many of the Jewish leaders would orchestrate the murder of Jesus. They would bring forth many false witnesses to come and lie about him. Why? Because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We act like our spiritual parents. And the unbelievers in the crowd, like unbelievers today, acted like their father, the devil. They were looking out for their own prideful interests. They deceive, they hate, they do anything to get ahead. Why do they resist the truth? Why do they resist Jesus? Because so does the devil. See, in this life, there are those who love Jesus, and there are those who refuse to believe in him. Often, this will be evident in their actions. A child of God isn't perfect, but is forgiven by Jesus and loves him, strives to live for him, and believes the truth. A child of the devil resists the Son of God, resists the truth, and continues, freely continues, to live a life of sin. And this is one way to spot a child of God and a child of the devil. It's through their actions. Once you spend a little time with them, they become easy to spot. But there's more for us to see. Look at verse 48. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophet, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Probably not surprising to us that being called children of the devil didn't make the Jews happy. But it was a spiritual truth that they needed to hear. They were putting all this, this stock in their, their family tree, not realizing that they were spiritually bankrupt. And until we recognize our state of spiritual bondage, we will never cry out to Jesus to rescue us. Jesus confronted their false sense of security in Abraham, and they got mad. Back when I was a kid, my, my dad taught my siblings and me that 
When you're in a debate or an argument with someone, if you start yelling, you lost the argument. Because it's only when you're losing and you have nowhere else to turn other than shouting in a vain attempt to win that it's clear where you stand. And it's the same with name calling. Earlier in the story, the people said to Jesus, we aren't illegitimate children. And many have seen this as the people claiming that Jesus was an illegitimate child. That they knew Jesus was conceived by Mary before Mary was married to Joseph. And so they were saying, Jesus, Jesus, you, you are the illegitimate child. You were born out of wedlock. I mean, it's obvious that they would reject his miraculous virgin birth because they were spiritually blind to the truth. And that may very well be what they were implying earlier because now they just come out and call him a demon-possessed Samaritan. And I want us to really think about that. That they called the Son of God demon-possessed. Jesus, Jesus calls them out as children of the devil, as proved by their sinful hearts and lives, and they try and throw it right back at them and say, no, no, you're, you are, you're demon-possessed. I mean, that's like, that's like when kids say that thing. As kids, we used to always say, when people were insulting you, I'm rubber and you're glue, whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. And it's like what they were trying to do with Jesus. But Jesus, Jesus didn't play their games. He moves past the name calling to bring them the truth that they needed to hear. That only those who believe in him will be free from death. Only through faith in Jesus are we delivered from the penalty of an eternal death in hell. And as he brings that truth, now their hard hearts, their unbelief, are very clear to see. They set up Abraham on this pedestal, not realizing that even Abraham looked forward with rejoicing to the very day they were living in, the day the Messiah walked among them. But as they were confronted with spiritual truth, they show their rejection of him. And that's when Jesus declares emphatically, before Abraham was born, I am. If you ever hear someone say that Jesus never claimed to be God, you bring him to this passage. You bring him right here. Because Jesus used the name that expresses the timeless nature of God, his existence from eternity past. Jesus didn't say, I was. He said, I am. Just like when God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, God told Moses, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. The Jews knew that that's what Jesus was saying. They knew he was making a claim to divinity and they had a choice. They could examine his words and his life and believe that he is the son of God, the long way to Messiah sent from the father, or they could reject him. If ever someone's spiritual standing is unclear through their actions, it will be clear through what they believe about Jesus. These Jews may have done a lot of good things and religious things in the eyes of men in their lives. Worshiping at the temple, tithing, praying, bringing the sacrifices in accordance with the Old Testament law. But when Jesus declared who he is, they picked up stones to kill him. What a bloodthirsty group. They were murderers, just like their father, the devil. How one acts often reveals whether or not they are children of the devil or children of God. But ultimately, it always comes back to what one believes about Jesus. You see, in the end, all people must decide where they stand on Jesus. The things he did, the things he said, and who he is. I like how C.S. Lewis famously put it. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, this. 
He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher because he has not left that open to us. So what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Where do you stand on Jesus? To you, is he just some great human teacher? Is he just a historical figure? Is he a liar? Or is he the son of God who came to save us? Because what you believe about him will determine your eternity and it will spill over into how you live your life. Those who believe in Jesus as Lord will be free from the bondage of sin. They'll be set free from the penalty of hell. They'll walk hand in hand with the Lord, strengthened to live in righteousness as a child of God. Or you can choose to reject him. You can consider him a liar or a lunatic, unworthy of your time and attention, and you can choose to return to a life of sin just like the devil. The truth this morning for us is that we are either living as children of God or children of the devil. It's that simple. We are either living as children of God or children of the devil. How we act reveals what we believe. What we believe determines whose spiritual family we are in and who we will spend eternity with. So the question is, whose kid are you? Are you a child of God? Are you a child of the devil? Have you come to Jesus Christ in faith for forgiveness and salvation? Have you experienced the freedom from slavery to sin? Have you been adopted into God's family by faith? Because if so, then believers, we need to live like it. If we've been set free, if we've been adopted, we need to live like we've been set free and adopted into God's family. But if you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, if you have never put your faith in Him, then please understand the truth that you are not a child of God. You are not in His family, which means that you are a child of the devil. Please understand. Please understand that if that's true of you, if Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please know that your heritage will not save you. Doesn't matter how many pastors were in your family, how much your grandparents prayed, or how many times your parents brought you to church. That is not going to save you. Please understand that if you are a child of the devil and you choose to remain in your sin, you will share the same fate as the devil, which is that you will be separated forever from God in hell. But please also know the truth that Jesus doesn't want you to be separated from him. That's why he came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth so that he could die on the cross for me and you. Take all the wrath, all the punishment that we deserve for sin. And after he died, Jesus powerfully rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. And the Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have never made that decision, please understand that Jesus is waiting for you to come to him right now in faith. Let me share just a few things that will happen when you do make that decision. When you come to Jesus Christ in faith, He'll forgive you of all your sins. In that moment, he will forget all of your sins. 
When you put your faith in him, he will come and live within you and allow you to live in love in a way you have never lived in love before. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become a part of the greatest family on earth, the family of God. And the moment you put your faith in him, he will save your soul and give you eternal life. And friend, if you've never done that, today is the day. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here who has never made that decision to put their faith in Jesus, that today they would choose to do that wherever they are, whether they're here on campus, at home, whether they're listening to us on the radio, that today they would put their faith in Jesus. That they would cry out to Him in prayer wherever they are and go to Him for the forgiveness of their sins. Give Him their life. For those of us who have done that, Father, we must to live like your children. We must to strive to live righteously, walking hand in hand with the Son. When we do fall and fail and sin, help us to run back to your loving arms of forgiveness. Help our hearts to be grieved over sin and filled with joy when we are walking with you. And help us not to just point people to Christ through our lives, through our actions, but also through our words by sharing the truth of the gospel with them. Father, what a great joy it is to be called children of God. For those of us who are called children of God, help us to act like it. Father, if there's anyone here who still hasn't made that decision, I pray that they would talk to me before they leave, talk to Richard, talk to someone they trust, someone who'd love to pray with them, because we know that you desire for them to come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. Father, we love you. You proved long ago when you sent your son, you love us more, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.